Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds from the WBNS FM studios in Columbus, Ohio. This is the Nerd Association Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Finch. And this week we have a very, very, very special guest. My wife, Jennifer Lopez, is joining us. Hello, my wife. How are you? Good. We've already talked about Borat, though, before, so. Oh, I don't listen. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That's true. But you do know at least how this part goes. So, do you want to start us off this week? Sure, I'll start us off. Chop Rooney. Mark, what do you... <laughs> sorry, I can't even get it. Okay, let me start over. <laughs> Mark, what do you think of when I say, I'm vengeance? I think I'm pretty scared because if you are vengeance, that means you're probably mad at me for something. But in a more real sense, I guess I think of Batman because he says that. In a more topical sense? Okay, good. Sometimes I think of the Batman, too. The. It's different from Batman. The. It's like the Ohio State University is trademarked and Ohio State University is also trademarked. Correct. So, yeah, we're talking about the Batman today, which we saw on opening weekend I think you have to start where pretty much every review or anything of this starts is that, like, it's not a superhero movie. No. No. Not in the way that we think of superhero movies now. But I'll get to that later. Yeah. It's like a crime thriller. The one that it gets compared to a lot, I've heard, is Zodiac. And it's really easy to make that jump because there are ciphers in it because the Riddler is, like, the main villain in it. So, yeah, I mean, I get why... People have made that jump. But yeah, it's really like a, a a dark crime thriller noir throwback where Batman actually gets to do real detective work. And that was one of the aspects I liked the most is Batman's the world's greatest detective. And in this one, you actually get to see him do detective work. I mean, it's the main thing he does. Yeah. We were talking about it on Bishop and Friends this week. And Bo was saying, like, I didn't even think of Batman as a detective. Is that like in the comics more? And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, he's supposedly the world's greatest detective but they don't hit it very much in the movies that that's for sure but in this one like Bo was saying that he sees Batman as like somebody who just like intervenes when crime is being committed just crime is being committed and he takes care of it yeah and in this one he's behind the crime the entire time chasing it as a detective well I think that's why people were so excited what was it two or three years ago when news of this first broke that we were gonna get this kind of Batman from Matt Reeves being being the detective. And I think we haven't seen that before in the movies. Well, I mean, there are Batman animated features that he does more of the detective stuff. But yeah, we haven't gotten this on like the silver screen before. Yeah, so you get the live action detective work where he's basically, it's almost a buddy cop movie with him and... Uh, He's not Commissioner Gordon at this point. I guess he's just another detective, Lieutenant Gordon, whatever ranks are. I don't, I don't know what they are. But he's not Commissioner (laughs) because something happens to the Commissioner. Ooh, I guess we should just enter spoiler territory. Daniel's not here to say. Oh, Daniel's not here. We didn't even say anything. (laughs) No, Daniel's just been very quiet (laughs) during this podcast. So, yeah, spoilers for the Batman. That kind of goes without saying here on Nerd Association. But yeah. Spoilers going forward. So, 
the commissioner is one of the people that's killed by the Riddler, but he's not the first one. And you really liked that opening scene where the Riddler attacks the, the current mayor running for office again. And you thought that the, that it was directed really well. And it was also kind of cool how at the beginning you didn't know who was looking into the mayor's office. Yes. Thank you for telling me my own thoughts. Sorry. Like I don't know them for myself. I appreciated that just then. Um, <laughs> Well, why don't you tell the people your own thoughts then? Oh, well, thank you very much. I really enjoyed that opening scene with the Riddler uh, when he's about to kill the mayor. I thought that was very well directed. Oh, what else did you say? I'm just kidding. Um, but when when we're looking through Batman's eyes, but we are not sure it's Batman yet, I love the parallels. And it's not just that part. It's really throughout the movie. They're drawing parallels between Batman and the Riddler, just how they go about their... A spooky detective business because that's also what the Riddler is doing. He's un, well, for he's already solved this mystery, but he's unraveling the mystery as we go along with the Batman. Um, but he's looking through those goggles, like very like suburbia, like what? Oh, disturbia, disturbia. <laughs> disturbia. Um, and it's very like peeping Tom, and then you're like, oh, wait, that is Batman. I thought that was very clever and smart to do from the onset because then throughout the rest of the movie, we're primed to be like, these guys are walking like very similar paths, but just total different moral codes that put them on opposite ends of the spectrum. You even get that moment there at the end, and we'll get to that scene and break it down a little bit more as we go on, but... I don't think he said it, the super cliche, the we're not so different, you and I powers. It, but it was it was basically like that. It was yeah. one of it was one of those scenes. But I mean it is one of those ones where they are. They are they're mirrors of each other, but yeah, sort of the funhouse mirror of each other. Um so the Riddler starts and he he's exposing the underbelly of of the of Gotham. And Batman is called in by the detectives. I thought this was a really interesting note. And it goes throughout the movie. When he comes in to see the, the murder scene of where the mayor was murdered, all the cops are like, what's this freak doing here? And get this guy out of here. He's, a, you know, he's a disgrace, whatever. And as the movie goes on, that keep pretty much he lives in this world where he's... It's not that he's not respected because there are people who properly fear him, but there are people who maybe think of it as more of a novelty because then he, he they show that scene where not everybody in that train scene that he attacks that first or he saves that guy that's being assaulted that not everybody there is like so afraid of him, but they are by the end. Well, let's let's talk about that for a second, because that. The way that they set that up, that, I mean, those first like 10 minutes was, I think, like the most effective introduction to a Batman movie that we've ever gotten. Because, especially because it's year two, you're right. A lot of people don't, I don't even know if they call him Batman. Like, I don't know how many times we hear the words Batman, but, but you see like the different, different highlights of crime going on throughout Gotham at any given time. And they're all looking up to the sky and they're, they're, you're right. They're not. They're not afraid, but they're like, uh, well, I mean, we've heard about this weird fucking guy in a bat suit walking around, and he was like beating the shit out of people. So maybe we should be a little bit worried. And then he comes out of the shadows, and it it's a good like three or three to five seconds before we see him. You just hear like the thud, thud. Yeah, you just hear his boots coming. You're like, and then they're afraid. 
because they're like, oh, the hype's real. And they, they think maybe if we if we team together, we can take him down. But yeah. he just beats the crap out of them. But he, they do that like three or four times in the movie where they set that up where he's just coming out of the shadows. And I think that helps with the, what they set up along with that scene is that the other criminals are afraid when they see the bat signal, they're afraid of the shadows in general because they show like, like you said, like three or four different crimes going on around the city. And when any, when they see that the bat signal in the sky, all of them are looking to the shadows and you say, you know what? I'm done for tonight. Yeah. I'm not even going to take my chances. Also the cinematography in this movie is beautiful. He's so, I mean, he's like dark and he is, variations of like black gray blue and blue and black and gray or whatever and all these different movies but he like melts out of the shadows like a shadow i don't even know if that's the right way to describe it but it's like the way that the lighting is and they film that he just like i don't know like oozes darkness (laughs) i love it He's like a smokestack coming out of a dark chimney or something (laughs) i don't know i'm trying to i like your i like the melt term i think that's a, a good way to describe it and the movie is dark, not not dark and gritty like how people like to describe adult-themed uh, superhero movies. But the movie's just dark. It's mm-hmm. filmed dark. And usually that's something I don't really like in movies because I'm like, the sun has to come out sometimes. But this movie is really condensed into basically a week's time. It's it's Halloween night when it opens up, which is somewhat a part of it. It's I think it's just supposed to make like a comment on like, Oh, he's just another guy in a mask. Um, and then it's over by the first week of November as they go through this whole thing. So the, the case gets wrapped up somewhat fast, but a lot happens in that week. All is all of that is to say, living here in central Ohio, I can believe that the sun wouldn't come out for an entire week in late October, early November. Gray season's real. Seasonal depression is real. And Bruce has had it for like 20 years. So <laughs> How old is he? Uh, he's young, I don't, but he's his mid twenties, mid to early twenties. I think yeah, that's, I think that's where you're, where you're supposed to be at. So he, at, in this movie, Robert Pattinson plays Batman and he's good as Batman. He's good as Bruce Wayne. Although the character has no interest in, in being Bruce Wayne. There's a scene after that, that opening night where he was out and they're first introduced to the, the Riddler's crime and he comes back and he's in the Batcave and, Alfred, who's played by uh, Andy Serkis in this, he's um, he's telling them that the accountants are coming. We've got to talk to the accountants because, and like, yeah, maybe he doesn't have to do a ton with Wayne Enterprises, but to fund his bat, his I bat mean- activities, <laughs> bat activities, he has to make sure that the money stays right. So he has to meet with these accountants, and he just doesn't want to do it. He's not interested at all. He doesn't go out. There's there's talks of like nobody ever sees Bruce Wayne. It's very clear that. In this point, he's still very, very down about his parents' death, and he just wants to be Batman. He doesn't want to be Bruce Wayne, at least not in the public eye at all. Mm -hmm. Speaking of accountants with that scene where Alfred comes in, I love the way that they use the the tech in this movie. I thought that was so creative of because... I mean, he's keeping an analog diary, but he's also using that. He's keeping an analog poem book. It's not even a diary. Stop. He doesn't write in prose. No, maybe it's iambic pentameter, but it's like a spooky. Spooky pentameter. That was dumb. I'm sorry I said that. But anyway, 
them using the contacts as as a recording mechanism i thought was really really smart and really interesting as someone who works with podcasts and radio i was a little confused where he got audio from does he have a microphone on his bat lapel or because there's no microphone in the i think it's in i think it's implied that it's in his ear because i think selena puts it in her ear maybe there is definitely, yeah, he definitely has some sort of headphone. So maybe, yeah, it's it's in that mechanism. Again, not really that important. Just, yeah, something, <laughs> just something that I thought. Of. I, I, but I did really like the, uh, the, the contact cameras. I like the Batmobile in this one because it was just like a, like a really souped up, like almost like completely aftermarket car. Not, I mean, I, I, I really like the Christopher Nolan trilogy, but in that one, the Batmobile is just a tank. It's just straight up a yeah. tank. And this one's a car, and it does have the flame on the back and everything. And I'm not sure what the physics of it, that actually making you go faster. Does like, it like stall out that first time when he tries to, when he's about to go chase down the penguin? Does it stall out? I don't know. It looks like he like tries to like start it and it stalls. I thought that if if that is what happened, I really like that. If it's not what happened, I'm going to pretend that's what happened because I think that goes along with the he's still he's still trying to learn the ropes of this thing. So if the car doesn't work on the first time, I think that's really funny. I can relate to that that you're trying to go on a really important trip and you're trying to go at the right uh, time right. and the, uh, <laughs> the car doesn't start. See, this is why we can't do it it's just two of us. You'll start projecting, then this will turn into I'm like I'm just talking about our most recent trip to Gotham. When our All car right. battery died right as we were about to take off. Okay, anyone can tweet in to the Nerd Association. At on... N-A-R-D underscore A-S-S-O-C. That's the one. Did anyone has, okay, has anyone else ever thought that Gotham was not New York City? Because this guy has been telling me that it's Chicago for the last like six years. How long have we been together? And I said, no, it's Gotham. Two Gotham things. is New York. Two things for our age group, for our generation, the quintessential Batman is Christopher Nolan's uh, Christian Bale interpretation of it. Correct? Would you agree with that? Mm. For us, that is. It's the quintessential one. It for sure is. We I saw that when I was in eighth grade. I saw The Dark Knight. Okay. In eighth grade okay. twice in theaters. It's definitely the one. I'll, I think I'll of. give you the movies. That is the quintessential one. In that one. They filmed a lot of it in Chicago, and it very much looks like Chicago. They don't do too much imagery to make you go, oh, it's New York. And also, if Gotham's New York, then what is Metropolis? Indianapolis. Metropolis is Indianapolis. (laughs) It's also New York, but not really. Gotham is real New York. This Gotham is definitely real New York, and they make it explicitly clear with bridges and rivers and ocean walls. And just everything about it is very New York. Although the other, the one thing about Gotham that makes me think, eh, it seems like it's a little bit more Chicago, is they always make a big deal out of the elevated train lines in Gotham. And in New York, there are yeah. parts of it that are elevated. But a lot of it, especially in Manhattan, is underground subway. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it depends. And in Chicago, a lot of it is elevated above ground. It depends on where you're at. If you're in the, the boroughs, then yeah, a lot... Oh, it depends on which borough you're in. Anyway, there are a ton of... Bruce Wayne doesn't care about queens. Yeah, that's apparent. That is apparent. But, okay, let me say this. In a lot of movies, not just superhero or Batman movies, when they try to do, like, 
80s New York, 80s, early 90s New York. Or it's like, we're just going to put some graffiti on like a subway car and then it's like grimy New York. This one, this Gotham really felt lived in and it felt like it was going through a trauma. Similar to how the Gotham was going through a trauma in the Joker movie with the, it's, I think that's, when you think about that movie related to the Joker, I think something they hit really well is like the municipality is dirty on the inside and it makes the city start to crumble on the outside. Yeah. That as the Riddler goes through this movie and the people he, he makes out to be the bad guys, his targets, they're not the crime bosses. He's getting to that. He gets yeah. to it eventually. But the people he targets first are the mayor, the police commissioner, and the DA. Yeah. And those are his main targets. And they're all complicit in just basically defrauding the city. And that's where Batman comes in and has a little bit of a, of a crisis with it. Because the thing they're defrauding is the... Oh, what was it called? Like the Wayne Redemption or Renewal. Renewal. Yeah, the Wayne Renewal Fund. But I thought it was I thought it was really interesting in that you're right. There is like this like filth and stench that like Batman can't figure out. He can't figure out why him prowling the streets for the last two years hasn't been working. Like if if it's just like skin it's if it's just like Surface level, I think is the word I'm looking for. If it's just surface level, then why isn't his vigilanteism coming to fruition? Because it's not surface level. Correct. And Batman should probably go more in the steps of his father, but do it with like full on sincerity. Because there's, as the movie goes on, you you kind of go back and forth of whether or not um, Thomas Wayne was a part of this underbelly or was he actually trying to stop it and his untimely death led to it, the bastardization of his renewal plan. But either way, I think uh, Bruce Wayne could be doing a lot more than paying for his bat suit and just like do stuff in the daytime that would maybe be like programs no. that could help this. No, you no, like Batman? not during sad boy hours. Not during sad boy hours. That's right. lasted for the last 20 years. In his gothic cathedral of a downtown penthouse. So speaking again, speaking of Gotham, like we've, so I've touched on the actual like facade of gotham like i mean there's it's trash it's grimy blah, blah blah it feels really lived in i love that the old architecture of gotham is gothic it just makes so much sense for the set designers to be like oh of course this rich like loser guy is gonna live in this like beautifully built gothic cathedral that's like crumbling like he is like the city is it's like the facade is there but everything is just deteriorating i think it's so smart and that was something i found interesting about this one that again brought up one of those questions sort of after the fact that i always have with movies is he wasn't stashed away in wayne manor outside of the city limits he was staying seemingly permanently in Wayne Tower, in downtown, in Gotham. And my question is, how does nobody see him drive that Batmobile with a flame coming out of the back of it back into Wayne Tower? Where is the Batcave? Is it under this tower? It's supposed to be, I think, like some abandoned uh, like subway, like where they keep like the subway, the trains when it's not doing its thing. But it, it 
I don't know. Did it say like Wayne Terminal? So like, was it uh, like a subway stop for them? Kind of like you have like an elevator to like a penthouse and a, but that only the family has access to or whoever, you know what I mean? Yeah. The Waynes do seem to have a, an insurmountable amount of wealth. So anything is Anything's possible. Anything is possible. They probably own Gotham Square Garden. Which is another, like, hint, hint, it's definitely New York this time. I know. Time. I just rolled my eyes so hard when they showed Gotham Square Garden. And I'm like, I was willing you to look at me so I could make fun of you for thinking <laughs> it was Chicago all these years. I, I mean, I know it's supposed to be New York. I just think there's a lot of evidence that it could also be Chicago. And it's uh, it's also an amalgamation of things. But you're right, it's mainly supposed to be new york yes i know so back to the thomas wayne stuff i also really appreciated the fact that we got um we've got we got backstory but it wasn't uh you know guy shoots parents in the alley pearls go flying it was maybe these people aren't as altruistic as they appear to be as bruce has painted them out to be all these years and i thought that gave them um a different layer and interesting lore going forward i don't know if we've really seen that before in any other batman properties but i think it allows them to be more than just a plot device which i really enjoyed something they do with it too that it's not just a random senseless crime that they're because they're leaving the theater earlier whatever they always paint it as and yeah like you said the pearls being broken it's uh it's as you go through it that you get turned in different ways as he, as a detective, is trying to also, he's trying to catch the Riddler, and then he kind of gets caught up in also trying to figure out, like, what exactly happened to his parents. But you get turned in different ways, but at the very least, you get to the point where you know that whoever did it, it was somehow motivated due to aspirations of criminality. Right. Which sounds really lofty for the crime guys did it on purpose. <laughs> and even though he's the world's greatest detective, he's going to believe the bad guy immediately and not ask questions. And then to it, the point where he questions Alfred, he has to go yes. and be like, Alfred, why didn't you ever tell me this? And he's like, you believe that guy? Alfred woke up from a coma or from like a light, a light sedated coma. And he was like, Alfred, what the fuck? <laughs> Bro. What? Why? Why didn't you ever tell me? And it's like, come on, Bruce, you're better than that. He's not, though. He's, uh, he's not. Uh, I started this off by saying a few times, world's greatest detective. He's definitely not. Not yet. Maybe, definitely yeah, maybe not he's on yet. his way. He's, he's trying. He's piecing he, the things together. He, he, I'll say this. He is, he is a match for the Riddler, right? Um, however... The Riddler is always three steps ahead of him, even up until the end. Like, like he, the Batman is is able to follow the breadcrumbs and unravel the, the mystery, right? And unravel the mystery until the very end, where he shows up at Arkham, and the Riddler is very confused as to why he is not ha- happy to see him. <laughs> And then Batman is also confused if the Riddler knows who he is because as the the mystery goes on, he leads him to the orphanage. He has such the Riddler has such a hang up on Thomas Wayne as well, and the idea of being an orphan because he is also an orphan, and he he feels cheated by the Wayne family because he was an orphan who grew up in that orphanage, 
And so that's where they're like, we're not so different. Me and Bruce Wayne, he's saying this to Batman. And he he goes, Bruce. Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. And Batman's sitting there like, oh, shit, does this guy know? And you've convinced me of this. So uh, my first impression when we walked out of the movie was he he was absolutely red to filth. And I mean that, like, Bruce. Like, Riddler knew as soon as he saved the kid in the cathedral during the funeral when the car came in, I was like, he's really looking at Bruce Wayne. He knows, right? He knows, he knows, he knows. But then you're right. When they get to Arkham, it is sort of like a, oh, we almost had him. We almost had Bruce Wayne. And yeah, so I'm, you have pulled me to that side. But originally I was like, oh yeah, he absolutely knows. Back to detective work. The the one that like, there's two that stood out to me. I was like, come on, guys. You got to be a little bit better at detective. And the, this first one is linked from the beginning of their case all the way up until the the second thing. The, the, the bombs on the city wall, I guess, would be the last thing. So the second to last crime committed by the Riddler. And it's after the mayor's death, he solves the cipher and they're looking for the thumb drive and they find, it says drive, so they go to cars, they find a thumb drive, which has the mayor's thumb attached to a USB, you know, stick, and they put it into the laptop, which... <laughs> that was funny, by the way. That was clever. That was, I, that was funny. That is a pun I can get behind. This movie doesn't have a lot of jokes, but it's got some jokes. It made me laugh at times. I think there were times that it... Uh, because he's not fully formed in the role of the Batman yet, there were times where, like, he would usually be really smooth and that would work out perfectly. But no, on this one, he actually doesn't shoot the gap. His parachute gets caught in something and he flies <laughs> over a bus, rolls onto the ground, stands up, and just limps away like a kid who falls off his bike and leaves the park because of it. Also, him being chased by cops through the precinct. We were the only two people in the theater that laughed at that. I thought that was hilarious. That was funny. That was like the that was like the the nerdy kid goes up to the jock table in the in the lunchroom and steals the letterman jacket from the head jock. Yeah. And all the jocks chase him through the school and he keeps running up the stairs. That's <laughs> what that moment was like to me. Back to the detective. Yes, work. go ahead. So they find the thumb drive. One, this is bad. Um, not Garrison. What's his name? The Gordon. Gordon. Gordon should have known this. That you shouldn't do, use a criminal's thumb drive on your own computer, one. Two, if you do it, hit the button that turns off the internet access. Encrypted or something. Something. You'd think that would be like kind of detective stuff day one. I have to log into three different things before I can work at my job every day. And he didn't get that? So that's mistake number one, but that's more on Gordon. The, the, the big mistake in this one is they have those in the thumb drive. There's the pictures of the mayor leaving that club and he's with uh, some random lady who ends up being Selena Kyle's friend, yeah. the Russian girl. And, but either way, the, you'd think if you got pictures from a criminal, you would search where those pictures could have been taken from and where those pictures were taken from was the Riddler's apartment right across the street from this club where he ends up shooting uh, Falcone at the end of the movie. And it's yeah. like, you guys didn't think to like 
maybe just look at that apartment building. That's where he was. It's where all his plans were on the walls in that room. Yeah. It's bad detective work. They sure were. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I can't even defend that one. But again, I'll suspend my disbelief. Fair enough. The other one, this one might be more riddle based rather than detective based, but they do. He seems to have a propensity for the riddles as the movie goes on. Yes. Except for uh, Rata Elada, the like tr- yes. bird, like trash bird or whatever yes. it is, like bird, like, and <laughs> he's rat like. Rat with wings. Rat with wings, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so they're looking for a rat with wings and he's like, penguins have wings. So they go and interrogate the penguin and they're, they're following along the right track. So it's not a complete waste of time. And then he's like, Falcone, Falcon, Falcons have wings. And it's like the, the penguin eventually points it out to him, thankfully. And he's like, uh, a rat with wings. That sounds a lot like a bat, which is what people call bats. Also pigeons. Pigeons too. Pigeons, most importantly. But there is no pigeon character. That's true. Yet. There's no pigeon character yet. Um, let's go back to the penguin. Let's let's talk about our villains who aren't the Riddler. The penguin and arguably not a villain, true villain yet, Catwoman. What were your first impressions, I guess, of these characters? I really liked Catwoman because I thought she held up a really good mirror to Batman. Um sans billions of dollars there's not that much of a difference with what they're doing she's a little bit more personally motivated in each individual action it it seems like i mean batman has some personal motivation but it's kind of like ethereal for him it's not like not everything he does every night is based on he hates the person he's beating up Mm -hmm. it's more of like he hates that his parents were killed by this city and he wants to solve it she does things a bit more personally but i thought the use of her was good because it gave them a chance to show that moral code that we all know that batman has without him having to state it i'm glad we didn't he does say like something when she wants to kill somebody like oh then we'd be no better than them but he doesn't have to straight up tell somebody like i don't kill people and i i liked that yeah I'll be very transparent. The first Batman that I really fell in love with was Michael Keaton, Batman Returns. So I have a very like deep attachment to uh, that Catwoman and that Penguin, which um, is brilliantly played by the stunning Danny DeVito. Um, I want a movie where Danny DeVito (laughs) plays Catwoman. I was going to say, and the okay looking Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but I I as attached to that relationship as I am, I really enjoyed this Catwoman, Zoe Kravitz, and Robert Pattinson Batman. I thought they played off of each other very well. There was a very obvious like chemistry and tension between the two of them. I love the push and pull from mostly her side, where she's very interested and doesn't hide it. And I love that. Robert Pattinson plays Batman like a, again, sad boy virgin. Like, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> I just found that very, like, endearing and charming because I, I think it's true to this version of the character. He doesn't really want to be Bruce Wayne. He doesn't want to be the billionaire playboy. But also as Batman, he doesn't really have time for, like, doing hand mouth stuff. Well, I was going to say that because he's so interested in being Batman and he doesn't want to be the Playboy version of 
Bruce Wayne, he's almost like not into romantic or sexual relationships at all. But then he finds then he finds a lady, a very attractive lady, who seems to have similar ideals to him and similar hobbies, yeah, you could say. You could and say. he's definitely intrigued by that. And he tries to like form it into like, well, she can just help me with the case. And she does, but he does fall into the trap of like, she doesn't work for you. She doesn't yeah. like when she when he sends her into that club, she starts to do her own thing yeah. as she's going through that. Yeah, he definitely tries to play it off like I'm interested for X, Y, and Z, but not because like I like like her. That's definitely not it. But like it is, and that's okay. So when she goes, it's actually before she goes into the club. That's how he finds out who she is. But that brings us to the other secondary villain. And then there's even like a third level of villains, yeah. which is just like the crime bosses. Um, mainly Falcone and what was the... Isn't Falcone? I think it's just Falcone is in it Falcone? this one. It's because they switch... It's- they switch in between depending on what Batman okay. you're watching. But I, it is Falcone in some. It is, I think it's Falcone in this one. All right. And then there's Unseen, but his name gets thrown around. It's on Marino. Yes. And uh, I feel like if they make sequels in this world of Batman, that he that character's going to come up in person at some point. Or even in the Penguin spinoff on HBO Max. So there we go. The Penguin. I think Colin Farrell did great. I... I'm not a huge fan of pretty person in like a ton of makeup to make them look like an ugly person. It's like, couldn't they have just found a, a squatty man to, yeah. to play this part? But the makeup does look really good. And I think he, he pulls off the character really well. It's not as cartoonishly penguin as... Right. Like, sure, he doesn't live in a sewer with a bunch of penguins in, okay, maybe he doesn't want to sacrifice every firstborn son of Gotham to for what purpose I'm not really sure but never goes through with it but this penguin is fantastic and I was not expecting that from Colin I wasn't like wow I was so impressed especially because when we first see him in that trailer the first thing you're like that does not even look like him at all under all that makeup and you're like how is he gonna act underneath all that but I mean, I didn't even notice. Like, if you hadn't told me that that was Colin Farrell. Yeah, Colin Farrell. Yeah. For some reason, I keep wanting to say Colin Firth. But that would have been... That would have been an interesting That would have been a great cast. (laughs) (laughs) Great casting. But if I hadn't known that was him, I wouldn't have known that was him. And that's what I think is a great testament to the job that he did in this movie. And to the makeup artist, whoever was in charge of putting those prosthetics on and making him transform into truly I've, I've never seen anything like that where i mean like his facial expressions like the movement wasn't hindered at all like a, a lot of the times i hate this you can see the blotchy makeup because uh, i don't know if they don't they have to do lighting tests i mean they spend millions of dollars making these goddamn movies but you can tell like the makeup coloring isn't right and it just like looks like latex but i mean and it, i could not tell at all in this Sometimes it depends on the attention of detail that the production will put onto it. Like maybe they're not, maybe they're filming throughout a whole day and not doing enough touch-ups and you're getting yeah. the scene you're seeing was one filmed late in one of the, the shooting days. It can be stuff like that and that'll save you time and will save you money, but mm-hmm. it, it can, yeah, it can be a noticeable thing, especially with the quality of HD 
that we yeah. see movies in nowadays. But yeah, I thought Colin Farrell as uh, the Penguin was great. I thought he did a great job of one setting up that like, oh, this character's going to be around. And after the movie, I didn't, I had not heard about that. But there's going to be a Penguin HBO Max series uh, setting him up to to do other things and also setting up for future movies for him to be a, a, a real big player because he does a he's sort of your your like starting point into what's going on with all these mafia guys in the city and he does a good job of letting you kind of know what, what the what the layout is there and he's not at the top he's near the top maybe uh, two rungs down yeah. from like crime boss but he's still one of the the higher ranking officials there well even the idea of having the sub-zero be the club but then the 44 below be the club club i thought that was a great touch and he's got like this sweet ass office just like hanging around in that i would i mean i wouldn't want to be an organized crime but like i see the appeal it looks like fun they it make, looks like fun they make being a criminal look like fun until you get beat until, up by Batman. Until you get beat up by Batman, which the I think the best running gag of that movie was the, the twins. twins. The twins opening the door and just being different levels of fucked up every time they open the door. And, and even, one going to get the other every time too. Like and, they yeah. were never... And even Bruce, like getting into the club different ways. Like the first time he just forces his way in. The second time he goes in as Bruce Wayne. And each time he says like, do you know who I am? Or do you recognize me or something? And then that third time he just sneaks in. Which proves he could have done it <laughs> all that, along. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, he finds different ways to get in. When we're, I said this in my Chops movie review of it. I think Colin Farrell uh, was a better performance than Paul Dano. I thought Paul Dano did a really good job um, in the Riddler, like, videos he was sending and the stuff when he was really being the Riddler. I thought the scene, the interrogation scene at Arkham left something to be desired. I thought the way he, like, once he learns that, like, his plan wasn't, like, wasn't quite working and everything, like, and he yells, no, 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 like... That to me was just like really cliche, easy, crazy guy yells no type stuff. I, and when he threw out all this actaganda about like this role, I really got in. You know, that's what he was doing in the press tour and stuff like that. And it's like I was expecting just a little bit more out of it. I didn't feel it, it's not that so much that it was bad. It just didn't feel like only Paul Dano could have done this. It felt like a pretty... I don't want to say easy, but like a pretty straightforward interpretation of an insane person. I mean, I think I use the word, I, I use the adjective lazy, maybe a little bit yeah. lazy in that scene. I think this is, we differ at this part just a little bit. Um, I didn't see any of the press store crap. Like I don't, I, I try to stay as far away from it because I've learned my lesson multiple times now. So I don't want a ton of things spoiled for me going in and, uh, they're kind of loose with that shit sometimes where you're like, okay, well, I wish I hadn't known that. But anyway. Um, Especially the, if it's Tom Holland, he'll just straight up. He'll just say anything. <laughs> he does not give a shit. And it's come to the point where you're like, well, maybe he's like misleading you. And it's like, no, he's just spoiling it. But anyway, again. So I think the reason why I can get behind Paul Dano's performance is because he's so effective 
in the costume and he's most effective when he's not on screen. And I think you can only do that if you are haunting enough or believable enough when when you're doing the riddling, if you will. So, so I'm okay with that. I mean, and that scene also is really like rescued by Pattinson's performance in that. Just like one thing about Robert Pattinson's performance in this, um, the use of silence and his eyes. It's like Batman doesn't say a ton in this movie. Like he does. He has lines, obviously. But I mean, we're not getting like monologues from Batman. It's really said with like the way he carries himself, his intention when he's like looking at things in the crime scene, looking for clues, using that fucking stare that could like burn a hole through you. Like it's so, it's so, so effective. So when he's talking to the Riddler, a scowl through the cowl. Yeah, sure. So when he's talking (laughs) to the Riddler in that scene and you see him starting to get more riled up and start to lose it and he's starting to scream, he's like, no, you're a psycho. And then he starts banging on the glass. Like I can, I can almost forget that Paul Dano was even in that scene, to be honest. I think the scene with Heath Ledger and Christian Bale is a better interrogation scene. So that was that was where my bar is at for a Batman movie. I'm not trying to compare the movies completely, but that's where my bar is at. And I thought this scene left something to be desired when compared to that scene. I mean, the only reason why I would... Again, I differ on this opinion with you only in that I didn't... I didn't dislike him, but Paul Dano really does not have it going for him that... I enjoyed the secondary villainous characters more. I enjoyed them. I just enjoyed them more. But I don't think that means that it was a bad performance by him. That's something I liked about this movie is um, it wasn't written to, it was written to be a, a Batman, like a movie for Batman. This is a vehicle for the Batman to star, but it didn't even inadvertently happen, which also happens in Batman stories because his villains are really intriguing. And uh, I mean, they've been around some of them for like a hundred years. So there's a lot, there's a lot to them, but he did not get overshadowed at all by any of the villains. This Batman is the main attraction of this. Yeah. It is definitely a story about Batman and Bruce figuring out or trying to figure out um, what his role is in this Gotham. Like what, this Gotham needs. I'm um, whatever Gotham needs me to be. And, and and that's true in this sense too, but he doesn't really, he doesn't go as far as to say it. He just understands that, but that working, that, what am I trying to say? That being, the vengeance being the vehicle is not going to accomplish his goals. It's really about giving the city hope and something to, strive to and believe in again is really what's going to save this city and that brings us to our climax where he finally figures it out just a little bit too late with the with the carpet tool he tears up the carpet in the riddlers in the riddlers apartment finds a map under the carpet because the riddler's crazy and it has a place where he's going to set off all the bombs to destroy the ocean walls and uh, try to flood what would be gotham's manhattan Yes. And while they're doing this, this is also at the, like, it's the celebration party of winning the election for the, the new mayor. Uh, Did she win? It seemed like it was sort of a... I like thought a, she won. 
I mean, she okay, she won, but oh, her but, but her, her opponent uh, was murdered. Yeah, her opponent was murdered, and the Riddler wasn't gonna let anybody else win. So, well, and who else would like some? The only person who could challenge her after like the opponent being murdered would probably be somebody who was already established. Yeah, and the Riddler did a pretty good job of like. Right. Tearing down the current establishment in Gotham. So, no, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know how the election went. I don't know if she ended up at being unopposed or what, but she was celebrating like she won. Like she won a real something. Election. So, yeah. she was the mayor. She's uh, real, something real. And she, real change is her, is her motto. And yeah, whatever. She's in Gotham Square Garden. And that is where they tell everybody to, to go when the city's flooding. And, they don't do a great job of telling people to go to the the higher tiers. No, they of don't. The arena. They don't. They definitely say, "All right, everyone, uh, make an orderly line and just pile the fuck in wherever is fine." I guess. Even though the it appears the floor is lower than the ground level they entered from, and if you're dealing with flooding, you'd want to be above the ground level. Not a great start. <laughs> For uh, Mayor Real. <laughs> the police are so busy chasing around Batman, they forgot how to properly secure a location. Yes. And uh, Gordon tells her, don't go out. She's like, that's what we need to take charge. And Gordon's like, don't go out on that stage. It's not safe. She goes out on the stage. She gets shot. And then all hell breaks loose yeah. in there. And Batman and Catwoman have to save the day. Uh, I, I chuckled to myself when it ends up where the like final confrontation between Riddler's minions and Batman and Catwoman ends up on the catwalk when he's up there and he's attacking those guys. And then they show her, I was like, oh, she's going to go on the catwalk because she's Catwoman. Nah. Funny. I didn't do it. I didn't write the movie. (laughs) I'm trying to think of what it reminds me of because like the Riddler, we find out sort of indoctrinates uh, a group of, uh, incel losers. He's QAnon. Inter- He's Riddler non. Um, sure. Yeah, that's right. But not very far away from it. I'm trying not to be political, Mark. So he ends up indoctrinating these people uh, through this website, through this dark web internet shit, and they are the one who's going to enact the final part of the plan, like the cute little cultists they are. Um, and at the end, uh. I think I think it's a different cop that says like who are you or who is it or whatever, and then the little minion goes I'm vengeance and it, Batman has a has this like dawning on his face like oh fuck like <laughs> yeah I I know how that sounds now it's like when you want to do something kind of crazy and then it makes total sense to you and then your friend is like you should absolutely not put like whipped cream on your genitals and jump into that like tiger cage like that level of crazy and you're like the example okay well you're like yeah no that sounds like a bad idea now that you say it and i think that's sort of what happens to batman in that part minus the whipped cream or maybe catwoman's there and even though the riddler's minions the the remnants Ridians? Stop doing that. They, it doesn't... No, hold on. There has to be a word no. for everything. Stop it. This has to start somewhere. Stop it. Straight to jail. Maybe the I ne- be a trendsetter. No, the next one, straight to jail. So the Riddler's minions and Batman are having a confrontation. They almost win. They shoot him point blank with a shotgun. And he is... Oh, yeah. He's down for the count, but he sees Selina 
kind of failing to also fight them off. So he does what appears to be an adrenaline shot into his leg. Then he goes crazy. And then he, I thought when they took off this guy's mask that they undersold how many times and how hard he punched this guy. I expected it to be like a flesh bag of bone and blood. And it looked more like "Ah, some orbital, like painful and really bad. But the guy was still able to speak. Yeah. I thought it was going to be just mush under there. Yeah. The way they, the how, how brutal they had shown him before. But maybe that is grounding it slightly that like he is still just a man. Yeah. It was the power of love that got him up. It wasn't the adrenaline and drugs. It was the power of love. Let's just be very clear about that. Um, also, we've seen it in a couple different iterations with Batman losing control like that. It's usually with the Joker because he's like his, his arch baddie. Um, but it was interesting to see him lose control on this, like, loser guy for, you know, like, messing with his girlfriend. I don't know. Maybe it was uh, partly probably because of the adrenaline. Um, but watching him, like, almost get to the brink of, like, really causing someone to, like, end up in a body bag and then reversing course. I thought that was interesting. I want to see, I want to see what they do with that going forward like how close he has a very strong moral code he tells selena not to kill her dad which side tangent i don't really care about that i didn't think falcone needed to be her dad i thought that just added to the runtime and padded it but whatever give her a backstory i don't really care um he also tells her not to kill the dirty cop that they have on top of the building yes he yeah. saves that guy yeah so i want to see how close we're gonna get to the edge with Batman and or Bruce going forward. I think that's a really interesting to play with being in the sort of fragile mental state that he's in right now. Even in that state though, he still does uh, at least for him, what feels like the for sure right thing to do and basically sacrifices himself by jumping onto a live wire and cutting it off and falling down onto the arena floor in the water. I thought they could have held on that suspense just a little bit longer, but yeah. it's already a three hour long movie. So right. they didn't have much time to spare, but they don't like they show everybody's face and then they go back down to the water and he's, he's up and he's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so he does live from it, but I don't think he was, I don't think he did that with the intention of like, I'm a hundred percent going to survive this. That's not a very uh, survivable stunt, right. but he does survive it. Then he helps all the people and that just, uh, that really makes the Riddler upset because his plan didn't work. That it not only it not only didn't work in like as much destruction as maybe he had planned, but it actually reinvigorated the city's hope mm-hmm. that it can be brought back out of the shadows. And then you have Batman out of the shadows helping people escape and get out of the arena after the disaster. Yeah. And speaking about cinematography earlier, um, that that visual of Batman leading the group of survivors out of out of the darkness into the light with that light, with that flare, um, I think it was so so brilliant, making that sort of allusion to what Riddler was saying the whole movie, like lead them into the light. And in that case, the light here is truth. In this version or in this scene, it is physically leading these people. Um, into a place of like hope and belief and light enlightenment. He does world. also literally lead Falcone into the light and shoot him. 
True. Yeah, that that's true. He was also literal in that moment. A, a little more nefarious. Yeah. True. Yes, I'll give you that. They're going to build a Batman Statue of Liberty, aren't they? Oh, my God. Do you think they'd get that cheesy? I don't think so. This one's too grounded for that. But that when you were talking about him with that with the flair, that's kind of the imagery <laughs> I got. Okay, so as far as I'm concerned, this is the after credit scene because I'm done with after credit scenes. I don't want to wait around after a three-hour movie for another four or five minutes to wait through all the credits for whatever the scene might be. I saw that it was actually, it was like a web page link. So you have to, now I have to, now I have homework after this movie. So I'm really <laughs> glad we didn't wait around for it. But I think the Riddler in Arkham is really the true after credits scene. And there's more, uh, there's more of uh, his iambic batameter um, at the end. And like, <laughs> you know, kind of a montage of, of Gotham and what's going on. But the 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 real trail and like, ooh, there's more to come probably with the series. And I mean, based on how it did opening weekend money-wise, it sounds like we're going to get the sequels if the people do want to make them. Uh, and there's a, another prisoner, patient, however you want to call them, and both in Arkham Asylum, yeah. who's telling the Riddler that like, oh, it's, it's actually okay. It's not all, you know, it's kind of funny. Laugh yeah. with me. And then... Okay, it's probably the yeah. Joker. A riddle for a riddle. He, What's his little riddle at the end, the Joker? He has something about, what do you call someone who's who's a fucking baddie lunatic with no <laughs> friends, but he has a friend? I don't know. I forget what it was, but that's essentially what it is. You got a friend in me. Let's go. You pointed out something about this Arkham especially, and maybe this movie has takes some of its... Um, inspiration from the video game the arkham video games and i think that's where this joker is headed that he's going to be and you know that inspiration probably comes from somewhere there's tons of source material for batman but like the way the joker looked it was it was in profile and everything but the way he looked looked like more in line with the way the joker looks in that video game yeah i mean i think that they should fully lean into it and just go full like arkham asylum let's get Let's get Batman doing a hallway scene. You know how Marvel has perfected the hallway scene fights. Yeah. Let's get let's get uh let's get Batman and his rogues gallery in Arkham just beating the crap out of each other. And you've already got a model to do the choreography. Just find some images from the video game and be like, okay, how do we mimic this in reality? Yeah, and I think it'd be really interesting because then we also get some more a world building where the Waynes and the Arkhams are are Gotham's founding families. Mm -hmm. So we wrap that into a sequel or something. We have to go figure out something in Arkham and what the, what does that have to do with my dad? And daddy, I miss you. Let's go find out more about you kind of shit. And his mom was a little baddie. So like, <laughs> so let's go to Arkham. And it's really easy because then, the, then all the people are there. I, I just wrote that movie. Perfect. Good job. Thanks. Wrap that up. Warner Brothers, CC Warner Brothers on Nerd Association this week. We'll wrap it up here with this. Wait, I wanted to ask you what your lasting impression was of the movie. Nirvana. Not the feeling of Nirvana, the band. Yeah. I liked the... And it was the same track over and over again, what, Underneath the Bridge. Um, but... I liked it. I thought the music in this was really great too, especially his theme. I think is so cool. I think they did a great job with that. I don't always pick up on scores when it's really good. I do, 
when it's really bad, I will notice. Yeah. I thought this one was not like perfect and like super memorable. And I just barely noticed it. Um, I thought it was bombastic in the right times when he was fighting people. So yeah. I, I thought the score was good, but it didn't stand out to me as much as some other movies have. What I was going to say, wrapping it up, where does this Batman slot in your live action theatrical Batman movies? Hmm. I was trying to come up with this list today. I'll give you a chance to think because I think I have it for me. I think I am... I Full disclosure, I have not seen Batman, the Michael Keaton... Uh, 1989. Yeah, with uh, Jack Nicholson as the Joker. I've never... I mean, I'm familiar with it. I just don't really think I have ever sat down and watched it. So I'm not going to include that one. But I would go The Dark Knight. Then I would go Batman Returns. Then I think I would go Batman Begins. And then The Batman. And that's really close for me between Batman Begins and The Batman. Um... And then I would go Dark Knight Rises, then Batman Forever, and then like a pile of rocks, then um, <laughs> like somebody hitting me in the head with a basketball, then a, a splinter in my toe, okay, and okay. then Batman and Robin. Wow, damn. Um, say it with your chest, why don't you? Um, okay, I think for me... It would be Dark Knight is one for sure. Um, I would say that maybe this is two or three for me. I really, really, really enjoyed this uh, this Batman story. Um, so I guess a toss-up between two and three would be... Um, Batman Returns and The Batman. I would I mean, I would probably say I would put Batman Batman Returns as 3, the Michael Keaton one. Um only because like it is kind of ridiculous at times, but it just holds such a place of nostalgia for me. Um then let's go Ooh, you're going to hate me for this one. Um, I think you're going to do Batman Forever and then Batman Begins. I don't give a shit about Rachel. I could give a rat's, a flying rat's ass about Rachel. Okay, so let I'll, I'll switch this around. Um, I, th- I think it's No, like, wait, this is... You, what about... I mean, isn't Maggie Gyllenhaal Rachel? Yeah, I still don't give a shit about her. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, somewhere there's, uh, the Phantasm one. This is really good. Um, uh, there's a Batman. I guess it doesn't know. No, because we're, we, we're doing live action, right? Yes. So, never mind. Scrap that. Uh, okay. So, Batman Begins would be like four or five. What other ones are there? Uh, Val Kilmer and George Clooney. Batman oh. Forever and Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin, then Batman Forever. Unless I put... Batman and Robin? I like... The George Clooney one with... No, but isn't Batman Forever the George Clooney one? No, Batman and Robin is the George Clooney one with Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze and right. Uma as Poison Ivy. You know what? Fuck Batman it. Forever is Val Kilmer and you have Jim Carrey playing a character called the Riddler. It's perfect. Fuck it. Okay. Let's... For that for that one that one no. choice is perfect. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm going to revise it. So one Dark Knight, two the Batman, three Keaton... Uh, Batman Returns, four Batman Begins, then the 
then Bat- Batman and Robin, Batman Forever, Batman 1989. And I, I Batman was... and Robin is ahead <laughs> of those two. It just holds a place of nostalgia for me, and Bat I, nipples? I'll die on that hill. So Honestly, I don't like Dark Knight Rises. I don't really enjoy that movie. It's the one that I visit the least out of all of them. Yeah, I'm not I like Dark Knight Rises either. I and the Arnold Schwarzenegger is great in that movie. Everybody chill. <laughs> All right, so that wraps up our discussion on the Batman. I think I think we were glowing enough about it with you know going through it, but I would definitely recommend if you've gotten this far and haven't seen it, go ahead and see it. But I'm sorry we spoiled everything for you. It's got its flaws, but the the shining moments are some of the best Batman that you'll find out there and i think that's why it i think that's why it got such a good review from me anyway from us kind of like batman himself shut the shut up thank you to my lovely wife jen straight to jail for joining us on nerd association uh where does the batman rank for you as far as the live action batman ones go and what do you disagree with us on some of our rankings jen putting batman and robin as high as she did. You're done. This is the outro. You can uh, you can tweet in at us at our Twitter, uh, nerdassoc, that's N-E-R-D underscore A-S-S-O-C. You can also reach us at our Gmail, nerdassoc at gmail.com. And keep fighting crime out there in Gotham, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>